Nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to Money Beat's look at the week ahead. Paul and Stephen coming to you from the studio in New York City from the nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Josh Zumbrum. Josh, how you doing? Pretty good. Thanks so much for having me. We are always happy to have one of you guys on because it saves us from having to talk a lot and sounding really rather uneducated. We like actually having people on who know what they're they're talking talking about. about. It really, it's amazing how much that helps the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, let's uh, let's talk about it. next week. Is is it's almost like a, an interim week, right? I mean, the Fed meeting is the week after, and that's what everyone's going to be interested in. But we got to get through next week to get there. Yeah, the week after the big jobs report is often a little bit slow, right? Um, and of course, the big the jobs report is so important that everything else, kind of in its shadow, just seems less important. So it is a little bit of a it is a little bit of a slow week on the economic indicators calendar, but still going to be some interesting stuff happening. I'm looking, you know, Monday right off the bat, you do have a nice piece of data. It's on productivity. Um, What can you tell us about that, what to expect? Well, you know, productivity is this data set that everybody should be paying way more attention to, but it sounds kind of boring and kind of confusing, and so it doesn't get nearly the the attention it should. But, I mean, it's it's so interesting, right? Like, we hear these stories all the time about how there's robots that are taking over uh, the workforce, and technology is making everybody so efficient, and, you know, companies can do so much uh, more work with so much less. And, you know, every attempt to measure this phenomenon is finding the opposite thing. It's finding that actually productivity growth in the U.S. is really low right now. Uh, You know, actually these robots aren't coming in and taking lots of jobs. And and actually, you know, people aren't getting better at doing things with less work. You know, like the reality is that a huge number of people – work in medicine or they work in they work in education or they you know they work in these fields where there's not any sort of maybe no automation going on whatsoever and so you know in fact the US economy uh, is is getting slightly less productive per worker uh, and it's a it's kind of a bizarre phenomenon and that's what we're kind of expecting to see in yeah, this report you know, is that uh, trying to continue it, it's not a very bizarre phenomenon if you've ever sat at my workstation and used my computer <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of truth to that, right? You know, that as the economy gets yeah. more w- white collar and you have people sitting at desks kind of, you know, f- fooling around on Twitter all day or whatever. Like That wasn't really what I meant. That wasn't productive. what I meant. <laughs> I meant my computer freezes. Now, Josh, you're getting me in trouble with my own boss sitting right here. Well, that wasn't no, no. what I meant. He also has problems. He always logs himself out of the computer. Um, I don't So that's like two hours of his day. Not me. But productivity has really <laughs> confounded economists uh, in this recovery just because it hasn't picked up. Because it hasn't picked up and because there's so much hype, I yeah. think. I think yeah. especially because there's so much hype out of Silicon Valley right now that you think like, oh my gosh, you know, we've almost developed self-driving cars and like <laughs> soon three million truck drivers, we're not going to have a need for them. Uh, but, you know, the, the hype and what actually comes up when you try to measure this phenomenon are two completely different things. And, and this is really, a- I was just going to say, this is really important for the U.S. economy because if the U.S. economy is going to you know, grow and grow consistently at a nice rate, its productivity has to pick up. 
Right. It has to pick up because, I mean, really, ultimately, the only way your economy can grow is if you have more people or if those people are able to, you know, produce more economy per person. I mean, that's kind of fundamentally uh, the two things that, that you need. Uh, there's a lot that can go into that, but I mean, you know, if if productivity is low and your population growth is low, right. there's is. really no way to have huge growth. And yeah, right. and population growth is low right now. Yeah. Um, the other one is, you know, we have a Fed meeting next week, but before that, we'll have another big central bank, the ECB. It has its meeting um, on Thursday. What are we expecting in terms of their monetary policy? Well, the um. The ECB isn't really expected to do anything big this week, but, you know, they're in an interesting spot because their economies are, you know, quite a bit further behind the U.S. in terms of recovering from the crisis last decade. Um, You know, a lot of the European countries are still not in great shape. Um, But, you know, the Fed keeps raising interest rates. They're probably going to raise interest rates again in June. And so that puts a lot of pressure on the ECB. You know, how can they how can they keep rates so low if the Fed is is raising them? You know, who's going to keep their money in a European bank if it doesn't have any interest? But U.S. banks do. And so, you know, one thing that they think might happen here is that um, the the ECB might kind of signal. Uh, you know, the ECB had talked about the possibility of kind of doing some rate cuts or putting in some more stimulus. And one possibility here is that they'll kind of back away from those plans. And I, I think it's kind of a consequence of of having to keep pace with the U.S. And how is the European economy, you know, looking right now? We've There have been signs that it's, it's starting to, you know, pick up and gain momentum. You see investors here um, starting, you know, flows are starting to go into European stocks. Uh, what's your take on their economy? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, it's been um, it's, it's kind of an underappreciated story this year that you know we've paid so much attention to the U.S. stock market and stuff that we haven't paid as much attention to some of the improvements going on in the rest of the world. I mean, I guess the thing you'd say about Europe is that it's it's looking better than it had been, but you know, for a lot of the last five, ten years, Europe had looked kind of really awful, um, and so you know, it's gone from it's gone it's it's better than that. It's still not really what you would call. Great, but it is an improvement from from where they were, and so that's also kind of putting some pressure on the ECB to to act a little bit more like the Fed. Let's uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back on the other side of this message with more of your week ahead. The Claude Three Model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit Anthropic.com slash Claude today. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Welcome back to Money Beats. Look at the week ahead. We are talking with Wall Street Journal reporter Josh Zumbrum in Washington, D.C. Josh, there is another interesting data point that's going to come out next week uh, regarding the U.S. economy and the U.S. Uh, citizenry, right? That's right. I, I love this report. It's the it's the it's called people call it the flow of funds report, but it's it measures the total net worth of U.S. households. Mm-hmm. I think this is such a cool um, report. It kind of adds up the value of 
everyone's bank accounts, everyone's homes, everyone's retirement accounts and stock accounts and insurance funds. And it adds all this up. It you know subtracts all of people's debt, all their mortgages, all their student loans, all their credit cards. And it kind of figures out what the total net worth of, of U.S. households is. And so I think it's just this, this fascinating report. It only comes out once a quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not one of the kind of main economic mm-hmm. indicators that people in the stock market trade off of. But it's this fascinating wealth of information about what's going on overall with U.S. households. And, you know, the theme of recent years has been that net worth has been uh, growing really quickly. It's the highest it's ever been if you add up all the households in the U.S. And it's, and, and it's you know, it's because it's because the stock market has been doing so well and somebody owns all that stock. And it's because uh, the housing market has been recovering in so many places, especially kind of the really expensive coastal real estate markets. And so there's been just huge hmm. amounts of wealth generated in the U.S. like never before. And it's another one of these things that I think is, you know, so interesting and, and so underappreciated, the fact that the country is so much wealthier than it's than it's ever been. Does it does it kind of sift through those numbers and tell you or at least give you an indication of, you know, who owns what? Well, that's one of the limitations of the report. I think that's why it doesn't always get, you know, this huge amount of attention every quarter. Mm-hmm. That the the Federal Reserve does this report and once every 3 years they come out with there's only one really good set of wealth statistics. This is a you know, this is kind of nerdy, but I'm going to talk about it for a little bit here anyway. It's okay. There's We're... only one really good set of wealth statistics in the US because it's so hard to measure. You have yeah. to like, you know, you have to get people to sit down and you have to go through everything that is a type of wealth and get them to list it. You know, people don't just know that number off the top of their head the way they know their salary mm-hmm. unless they're kind of real personal financey type people right and right. so you know the fed does this but they only do it once every three years so we have a sense from that you know how it breaks down what's the name of that report it's called the survey of consumer finances we're going to get a new one this year for the first time we haven't gotten new data on this since 2014 hmm. um so you know people who follow this like me are like super excited about it because <laughs> um it's just going to be it's going to be because so much wealth has been generated the last three years, sure. and it's going to be interesting to see kind of how you know how broad, how broadly was it broadly distributed? Was it a very small group of very wealthy people right. that got it? So we're we're going to see some of that, and so I think these wealth statistics, uh, even though they don't get as much attention as some of these other reports, are such cool data. Uh, so, so, so I'm so you know. I I, wow. I, right. I I elbow everybody out of the way so I can write this one every quarter. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, this data coming out on Thursday. All right, cool. I think I mean on the economic fr- you know front that that I mean I think that pretty much sums and that up gives us we, something to look for the, that this uh, triannual yeah. survey of consumer finances. Yeah. We'll have you on, Josh, when they do we, that. Yeah, we'll, we do have a little we'll do a bit special of, podcast about that. Uh, Japan GDP data and China inflation data, but other than that, it's it is a quiet week. It is a quiet week, but that does but not mean quiet week on the economic calendar yeah. does not equal quiet week, right, Josh? Well, not in not in Washington, no. no. Right, right. You know, I'm excited about this wealth data on Thursday, but that's the same day that uh, the former FBI director, Jim Comey, is going right. to be testifying before Congress. And I feel like a lot of the world is going to be paying more attention to, to Jim Comey than to my story right, on wealth right. statistics. Th- th- this is going to be assuming, and we don't quite, you know, we're, we're taping this on Friday, folks, so we don't know what's going to happen over the weekend. We have to be honest, you know, about that. Uh, assuming that he's even allowed to to testify, right now he is he is scheduled to testify both in an open and closed session in front of Congress. I, I don't believe we've heard from him publicly since his firing, so this will be the first time that we're really going to hear from him. 
Who knows how much he's going to disclose, how much he can disclose. But this is going to be I mean, this is this is high stakes political drama about as high stakes as it gets. Like I said, assuming it happens, because there is a question about whether or not President Trump will exert a uh, executive privilege he has and try to prevent Comey from testifying. Um, the, the the other question I think the bigger question is whether the, what the, how the markets are going to perceive this. Yes. The markets have largely ignored the you know a good portion of the Russian investigation. Um, there was one day we saw the markets got nervous yeah. and they tumbled, but they've rebounded and come right back up. Um, so the, you know that's what I'm I'm, I'm going to be really interested to see how the markets react to that. The big question for markets is how much of this is going to derail, um, you know, President Trump and the Republican um, agenda, um, pro-growth economic, you know, pro-growth, pro-business economic agenda, and if they get mired down in this. It's an important question. I mean, you look at kind of – you ask people why – why the stock market is so high. You ask companies why they're so optimistic and they'll they'll say, oh, you know, it's because we think there's going to be, you know, a big tax reform bill is going to pass. And we're going to get a big infrastructure package and we're going to get, you know, these great uh, health care reforms and stuff. And, you know, if a, if a hearing like this went badly enough, yeah, you might not get any of that stuff because Congress is suddenly going to kind of just collapse into right. complete dysfunction. Um, and, you know, considering how dysfunctional Congress has been, the last four years, that wouldn't really be the most uh, – it wouldn't really be terribly surprising but, if they proved I, to just completely do nothing. I, I personally think the stock market has has been ignoring – this has been ongoing for at least a couple of months now and the market's been ignoring it. I mean this administration came in and made it seem like they were going to be gangbusters getting things done and they have not gotten anything done yet. I mean they have not gotten anything material done yet. Right. I mean – And uh, but, but, the market has ignored that. I'm going to I'm going to sort of – disagree with you somewhat here um, because I think you're talking about just on the high level, like on the, you know, the index, the major index level, which have remained near record highs and continue to set record highs. Yes. But underneath, you've seen that the market has sort of taken this into account and you've seen a reversal to like the trades that were working prior to the election. What is yeah. interesting in that is I think what we've gotten is interest rates are still so low. I mean, you're talking – you know, uh, you know, just over two percent. Right. Where else do you put your money at this point? And a lot of the gains that we see in the stock market have come from these sort of giant tech firms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which are these largely completely well, that's safe. where everyone's putting their money, right, but are yeah. largely completely safe. Um, yeah. You know, because I mean, they generate massive sales and they're global, and no one expects you know, no matter what the policy outcome that you know in Washington, that to greatly change. Um, yeah. They have sort of these unassailable business models. Well, and you look, you, know, you mentioned interest rates, and, and Josh, I know you guys follow this too. I mean, you look at the yield on the 10-year. I mean, it was, what, around 215 on, on Friday after the jobs report? I mean, the, the bond market is taking all this with a much more sober eye than the stock market has been. Yeah, it's still so low. And I mean, you yeah, think about like interest low. rates that low and kind of what that means for mortgage rates and, and for people's ability to borrow and stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's still kind of a lot of juice coming from all that. I agree. One of the questions I have for you, Josh, is how do you look at you know Friday's jobs report, which you know was weak, um, and what that says about the second half? Sort of, you know, everyone's talked about the second half and being stronger. 
Is, is, is that narrative still intact? Well, I don't know. It could be kind of two different things um, that have pretty different implications. I mean, one is that what, it could be that the economy is kind of slowing down, and so that's why you're seeing much, much lower uh, job growth numbers. But it could also be that, you know, that unemployment is kind of getting so low that there's not huge numbers of, of unemployed people being sucked into the labor market each month. So you're kind of, instead of employing, uh, instead of all these unemployed people finding jobs plus, you know, whatever new 18 and 22 year olds are hitting the job market. Now it's just whatever 22 year olds show up each month. So, you know, you kind of might expect job growth to be a little slower just because you're not pulling in large numbers of unemployed. And, you know, if that's the case, maybe that could, that wouldn't really be such a bad thing if if job growth is slower, but it mainly just means that kind of everybody who, who has a job wants one except for the new people each month. So we don't know enough from just one month to really have an answer to that question, but that's kind of what I think about. Like, is the economy running out of steam or is it really more like, you know, there's just not as many people to, to suck into the labor market each yeah. month. And so the number's lower, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I don't know which way it's going to work out. And also, you know, the jobs the jobs number is historic, is a very volatile number. <laughs> Um, yeah, month, yeah, month. yeah, and it gets revised, yeah. and I mean, so who knows? We we might look back and say, oh, this was actually a pretty good normal month. But the trend is, I mean, to be clear, it has been slowing, but it's still above. I think Jenny Yellen a few years ago had said she, you know, a th- like talked about a hundred thousand being the number to suck in the sort of the new people being added to the labor market. Well, you know, and and Greg Ip, uh, our Wall Street Journal columnist and, and colleague of ours, he had a, a tweet out on Friday that I saw. I don't know if you saw this, Josh, where he said he, he said anything above 80,000 is good and 100,000 is very good when you're in an environment where you're basically at full employment. So, yeah, the numbers are coming down, but, you know, you can you can draw that conclusion. What I find disconcerting is that if we are at full employment and those are good numbers, why is wage growth still so bad and why is productivity still so bad? So, you know. I, I think there are still a lot of open questions. And to get back to what we were saying at the beginning, and I know we have to wrap this up, uh, what's happening in Washington? What's going to happen? Is the administration going to get any kind of real economic stimulus going, or are they going to get bogged down and just you know completely kneecapped by this Russia probe? Yeah, I think that's that's the big question on the right. policy front is is whether or not they're able to get get through all this kind of controversy. I mean, it's yeah. really gotten pretty pretty loud and and I think in some ways debilitating. So and 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 the and, you know the clock is ticking because you do have you know the recess coming up in the, at the end of July. You're going to have the debt ceiling. It seems like is right. going to become a, right. a bigger issue. Right. Then you also you start looking like you're heading into 2018. At some point in 2018, you know the the narrative is going to switch to getting reelected. Um, so it, it gets a little bit muddy as the year progresses. Yeah. All right, Josh. Thank you very much. Appreciate the time. Yep. Thanks for having me. And everyone, thank you for listening. We always appreciate your time, and we'll catch up with you soon. Make sure to check out the Future of Everything podcast, because the future is closer than you think. All new episodes each Friday in June. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com slash WSJ.